Zoom calls were essentially group therapy. We just got on the horn and said, listen, we're going to say some stuff that you're not going to like. And one of them is, is that this is going to be around for a long time. Everyone was thinking in two weeks, this is going to go away. The lockdown's going to happen. It's going to fix it. We're going to be done. And we're like, hey, we're going to burst your bubble right now. It's going to be here for 12 to 18 months minimum. And they didn't want to hear that. Teamwork was really such a key component of it. And I just think the genuine feeling that Greg and I both had for our town. This was our town. And we knew nobody was going to rescue us. So we thought, we got to do something. We can't just sit here. So that was it. It was just the mindset of we've got to do whatever we can do to try to bring to the table what's going to help these people, what's going to help our town. We looked at the problem holistically. In order to save the community, you have to look at every single branch of the community from small business to local government to volunteer force to recreational opportunities to the school district all the way around. And we made sure we were in front of them hearing what they had to say every day and it still continues today. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Vitalist Spark Podcast. I'm your host, John Ford, and in this episode, we're headed north, right up to the Glen Canyon Dam, in fact. Not far from the now insta-famous Horseshoe Bend lies the city of Page and a unique pandemic-era story with lessons for all of us. This tourism-oriented city didn't suffer the kind of economic disarray that would have precipitated steep declines in well-being and health. Something else altogether transpired instead in response to COVID. And it happened in contrast to how things played out in other parts of our state. During the days when many Arizonans were still trying to figure out which way was up, and still more of us were deeply engaged in rapid cycle learning about how COVID worked, Paige simply got to work. You're about to hear from two people who galvanized the business community to act in order to prevent the loss of businesses, jobs, and residents during the pandemic. Paige's behavioral health, physical health, and civic health would all rise and fall on how well the city weathered the COVID storm. As you listen, note how our guests immediately grabbed the high ground and set a high-level goal that the entire community could embrace. And keep your ears tuned for their essential actions that read like a terrific set of guideposts for any unforeseen community disruption. Continuous practices of vulnerability, compassion, listening, sharing, communicating, supporting each other, and most of all, taking action. Specifically, the right next action that is within one's own circle of influence to accomplish towards the high-level goal. So let's get to it. This is the story of how Page, Arizona navigated pandemic waters economically so that it could continue to support community health and well-being as of April 5, 2021. Today, we have an amazing set of visitors from the north, from Page, Arizona. We have Mr. Greg Martinez. He is the Economic Development Coordinator for the City of Page. Greg, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And we also have Judy Franz. She is the Executive Director of the Page Chamber of Commerce. Judy, how are you doing? Wonderful, thank you for having me. Judy, I actually wanna start with you. Roll your way back to March and the challenge that was faced and where you turned first. I think as, as everyone was, we were all scared to death. We knew nothing about it. The word, the coronavirus, how deadly it was. The first thing that flew in my mind, I'll be honest with you, is we had a tremendous amount of tourism that had come in in January and February. And we were all kind of stunned by what all had been here and what had left and we didn't know. 
My first concern was my business community. What's going to happen to these guys? What's going to happen when the doors can't be open or are they going to have to shut their doors or are we going to have nobody working? So Greg and I, we had always had a pretty good relationship working on other things, but we decided that the best thing to do would be able to reach out to the business community. And that meant we were going to all learn to Zoom overnight and have to do it well. So we started by putting out through the chamber on the newsletter and out on Facebook that we wanted to be able to put these Zoom calls together. And we targeted the business community. We targeted rental companies, tour companies, restaurants, jobs. We just targeted them. It specifically talked about that uh, type of uh, business. What What were their needs? What was going on? What was happening? How could we direct them? So that was the first steps, John, for us is to... How do we reach the customers in our business community? Because some of us were not going to be there working. I myself was out by March 15th and did not return until June 15th. I worked strictly from home five days a week. So that's how it all started by getting the Zoom calls together to really get out and get to the community. Because I'll tell you, our business community was very frightened. People were worried about what was going to happen financially what was happening to their workers, how many had actually contracted it. As you know, we're part of the Navajo reservation up here very close. It was very strong on the reservation. So there was a lot of fear as to what to do and where to go. How do you find out about this? And what do we do with our business? So that was kind of all the components that we had to do. And from that, Greg also got very involved with getting the county involved. So we had accurate numbers to find out what was going on, how many cases were here, if there were treatments, if there were not treatments, just as much medical information as we could get to be able to share. And so Greg was very instrumental in getting that information. So we would share that kind of information on our Zoom calls so that people actually had that as well. If you had to sum that up, we were trying to give out as much information in a one hour time that we could possibly lend out to our people I myself personally, my cell phone, I gave it out to everybody and I had phone calls all day long. I had phone calls in the evening. I know Greg took phone calls on his cell phone. We just made ourselves available because being up here, you do feel pretty remote and you don't think you really have anybody that's really hearing that we're here because it's always like, did they go past flag? We're past flag. So that's kind of where we came into this to be able to get out and actually reach all of our customers and get to our business community. A friend of mine started a page that was on Facebook called Page Americans United. Although when she started it, she wasn't very social media oriented. So she came to me and said, will you manage this page? I now have close to 2000 members on it. And that page became the page to go to for people to be able to find out any information they needed regarding idle loans, PPP loans, where you could find out about COVID, testing, anything like that. Or there was just information on the government, what they were doing at the city level, the federal level, and the state level. That information was put out there and it was strictly a page for being, it was all positive. We didn't want the negative. We thought there's enough out there fearing people. So that was kind of the beginnings of, of what we started doing and it's still ongoing today. Greg, Judy mentioned a key word there, the one that everybody felt in March and April of last year, which was fear. If there was one secret weapon that Page had that maybe no other municipality had, it was an economic development guy at the city who was actually also a trained behavioral therapist. Talk about <laughs> your approach to dealing with that anxiety and that fear that started back in March and April that really ended up creating a rallying cry for your community. 
Well, yes, I uh, have obtained my master's in clinical psychology and I was a practitioner of mental health therapy for six, seven years, as well as a CEO for a nonprofit locally that helped domestic violent victims. Really what I took into effect was that I was also kind of a failure in business. I knew what it felt like to fail in business. And I took that and was pretty much like, hey, a lot of these for-profit business individuals have never really tasted this kind of failure. What's going to happen? As a nonprofit, and Judy, you'll hear nonprofit manager as well. Mm-hmm. Every day is a struggle. Every single day that you try to fundraise on a nonprofit is a day that you're really waking up to a battle. A lot of these businesses have been swimming in success. We saw tourism go from 2.7 million people to 5 million people over the course of eight years. And all you really had to do is hang a shingle, have an open sign flipped around on the right direction, and you were going to have a bustle amount of people. So Judy and I talked about it and we're like, a lot of these people aren't going to be able to handle this failure. Like they're not going to know what it feels like to look at their bank account and see that it's either going the wrong direction or not increasing in the rate that they typically are used to. And so we're like, let's just give them a platform to vent. We weren't medical experts. We didn't have an inside track on what COVID-19 was. We did have resources available, such as the knowledge of what it's like to run a nonprofit and the struggle that is very real in trying to keep your nonprofit afloat with finances. And so we took that approach and we embedded it into a quasi-group therapy. Zoom calls were essentially group therapy, where it was like, it is okay to say that you're failing. No for-profit business in America wants to admit to that, anywhere in the world, actually. No one wants to admit that they're failing. And couple that with the anxiety of COVID-19 fear, that's a disastrous situation. So we just got on the horn and said, listen, we're going to say some stuff that you're not going to like. And one of them is, is that this is going to be around for a long time. Everyone was thinking in two weeks, this is going to go away. The lockdown is going to happen. It's going to fix it. We're going to be done. And we're like, hey, we're going to burst your bubble right now. It's going to be here for 12 to 18 months minimum. And they didn't want to hear that. So there was some frustration. And a lot of times we just listened to their frustration, understanding. And this is really where having that background in clinical psychology is all we were, were just archetypes. We just represented something that they were really frustrated with. And we just let them vent and vent and vent and many weeks and many, many months of them being frustrated. And the key that Judy and I, I feel were successful at is that we didn't fuel the fire. If anything, we allowed the fire to burn itself out inside of them. And then once they got it all out, because as a for-profit business owner, who do you complain to? You just look in the mirror and you're like, you're a failure. You're losing it. You're doing a bad job. And that type of mentality wasn't what we needed in our small community to get out of what we knew was going to be a tough stretch. Right off the bat, you started to build an infrastructure of communication, the Facebook page, the daily Zoom meetings. In fact, for those of us who think that we've already been to too many Zoom meetings in our life, how did you do a Zoom meeting every day of the week? How did you structure that for effectiveness, for people to actually think it was a good idea? We got help, right, Judy? The news changed every 12 hours. COVID's not airborne. COVID is airborne. It's a contact thing. So wipe down all your groceries. Don't wipe down all your groceries. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. I mean, there was so much confusion of what was real and wasn't real that all the information was provided. We just had to open the platform and then be 
mentally strong enough to handle the sometimes what could be heated verbal conversations. You also structured it though, right? I mean, you Monday is for this and Tuesday is for this and so on. John, we had it on the chamber newsletter. So my office manager, she was coming in, we were closed, but we had the door locked. She would come in. We would send out every day, the next day's Zoom link, reminding people. I would then get it out on social media, on the page Americans, on the chamber page, on my personal page. The other thing that too, that Greg and I did is we reached out to, like you said, there weren't a lot of answers. And one day it's masks, no masks, wipe your groceries down. So one of the things I know I personally started doing myself was I started reaching out to Senator Cinema. I reached out to Congressman O'Halloran. I thought, I'll reach out to anybody who's got an answer. I was on every call that Governor Ducey's office had. So that information I brought back to the people when we had our calls. Greg also equally went out and did his homework with things. So we were going out looking for whatever information when somebody was struggling. Where do we find this answer? Because you couldn't, it was really hard to be able to get answers. We did our homework behind the scenes as people were on the Zoom calls. We would just take notes. And if we saw something come up that we hadn't addressed, we go out and try to get an answer for it. People might be wondering why we're talking to two people who are focused on economic development in a city or a town when we're a health foundation. But the simple fact of the matter is there is no community without economic opportunity. Greg, you told me in a conversation prior to this that you settled in on one key question, which was how do we keep people from having to leave? Yeah, we talked about that early, didn't we, Judy? I remember I Mm -hmm. told you that next morning I had a nightmare that nobody was coming to visit us and people were struggling to meet their bills and families were being split up. And we've already encountered that. We already saw that happening with the Navajo Generating Station being decommissioned. It currently is being decommissioned, which was a stone's throw away from Paige. That was our major employer. So we already experienced about 12 months beforehand what it was like to start losing friends and community members because they had to relocate on their jobs. And this has all of the same elements that NGS closure had. People who are out of work, people who needed to support their families, people who were going to go on the road to work, which was especially dangerous. And so we were like, okay, well, we need to know what kind of impact this is having. And so we launched on the 18th of March, 2020, a survey monkey for local economic polling. Are you closed or are you open? Have you reduced staff or have you uh, maintained staff? Have you laid all staff? If you're closing, is it permanent or temporary? Just getting a real gauge of where the community climate was. And then we coupled that with consumer confidence survey. So how confident are you going to shop? How confident are you setting plans 6, 12, 18 months from now? How confident are you receiving packages from Amazon? And we took this information where like, this has disaster written all over it. This is as bleak as we've ever seen it because consumer confidence was way down and business sales and business economy was also way down. And so... I guess we're going to have to get loud. I mean, we had this motto, right, Judy? No one's going to save us. We're going to save ourselves. Exactly. And so we did everything we could at that point to experience what they were experiencing, put ourselves in their shoes, which wasn't too hard being nonprofit managers. We know what it's like to struggle. And so at that point, I was like, all right, look, I know people will stick around if they feel like they're supported. And Well, a lot of higher uppers were kind of frozen in the moment, right? They didn't know which way to go. We were waiting for someone above us to tell us, okay, this is what you do, City of Page, or okay, this is what you do, Coconina County, or okay, this is what you do, State of Arizona. 
we didn't even wait for that because honestly it, it took months and months to come. Like we didn't settle on the mask thing until many months later. We didn't settle on open or close. I mean, we opened, then we closed, then we opened, then we closed. It, it was back and forth. So we right in the beginning said, no one's coming to save us. We need to save ourselves. The, the only thing that you have in a community is people without people, you have no community. So let's open it up. Let's listen to their thoughts. Let's tell them that it's not their fault because believe it or not, that goes a long way. Let's try to see what we can strategize as a small community, as a small business community, as a small rural community to see what we can do to save businesses. You guys got focused pretty quickly. Tell the story, if you would, about Yamamoto. Yamamoto is our largest manufacturer. They provide tackles and baits, international company based out of Japan. And they had to shut down because they had a COVID outbreak. Yes. And so our thoughts were like, oh man, if we can't get a manufacturing plant operational, how in the world are we going to get the hotels to take people in? And so we just started picking up the phone, making calls. I called the Arizona Department of Occupational Safety and Health. They were extremely busy. And a lot of times it was hard to get a hold of people because it was such a dramatic, don't come back to work. A lot of people didn't have emails forwarded to their home email or their phones forwarded to their cell phones or their home phones. And so we're like, okay, well, let's just figure this out. Let's do a SWOT analysis of Yamamoto. Well, Yamamoto has the ability to make molds. Well, what can you do with molds? Oh, I don't know. You can make face shields. You can make N95 cartridges. You can 3D print. And so I had a resource in California that uh, specializes in molding and I linked them up. But by the time they got linked up, cloth masks had caught up. And so he was like, hey, I'm just going to continue to focus on doing baits and tackle, but it's good that I have all this other information in case something crazy happens again. And so we also went through with them with like safe work guidelines. We talked to them about that time back in late March, early April, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that it was an airborne virus. We were just like, treat this as if it's airborne, go the highest maximum amount of risk and try to minimize it as best as you can. This includes temperature checks before they were doing temperature checks. This included doing a survey before you got into work, before they did any surveys going into places. And so what he discovered was all of this attention he gave to medical was resulting in a safe workplace. And so we catalyzed it. We encapsulated it and we turned it into a white paper. And, and even though I was told many times, right, Judy, do not share this information. Do not share. <laughs> yes. I would put it up on our Zoom share screen. I'd be like, all right, right. I can't yes. send this to anybody, but if you'd like to take a print screenshot of it, now is the time. You have a town that is, let's just say, a little bit focused on tourism. Mm. That's not happening. The hotels are shut down. And yet, rather than sit around and scream about when you could possibly reopen or when somebody's going to send you some help, you actually took a lot of proactive action there as well, Judy. Well, one of the things that I got involved with was the financial part of it, which I run the Chamber of Commerce, and then I also run the Page Lake Pal Hub, was a visitor center that we got certified with the Arizona Office of Tourism in, I tell you, September of 2019. So by the time our season started to roll around, 
number one, I had to think about us here. What are we going to do? So I started familiarizing myself with the idle loans, the Paycheck Protection Program. We have a great SBDC built people here, Gina Couliard and now Cindy Scott, small business guys, and they held webinars and we got on those webinars and I learned from those webinars. I was able to help 53 people successfully get through the idle loan. I didn't do the loan for them. I helped them through the steps of it. And a lot of them got stuck in the system. They'd sent everything in and it just sat there. That's where I got involved with getting a hold of the senators and Congressman O'Halloran. And from that, I could send these people to them. They could fill out a little release form. And we saw so many of them go through that way because they were just stuck in the system. So I was trying to help in that way because I'm thinking, okay, as a business owner, you got to go through that and do it. So I learned what was needed, where you go. Not that I could answer every question, no, but I did my very best that I could. And many people were able to get through it by the helps. Senator Sinema had great calls. Congressman O'Halloran, I got on his calls as well. So it was definitely a learning curve for me as well. And former Senator Martha McSally was also a yes. great help. She was in she got involved in the beginning, yes. Governor Ducey's often involved really early. I know, mm-hmm. granted, we were seeking them, right? The winter yeah. was coming, little Game of Thrones reference, because we're right. Northerners. So we were like, hey, winter is coming, winter is here. And we just got really busy. And it felt like the world came to an end. And there wasn't a moment to waste. And so every second that I was awake, and I'm sure Judy felt the same way, was a second to capitalize on that moment. For example, we as a city took PSAs out for the city of Page and local radio. And this came April 6, 2020. And the PSA was, there is a virus in the world and it is making some people sick. Although school has been canceled, learning hasn't stopped. Play dates and hanging with friends are taking a temporary timeout. Stay strong and remember, things are going to work out. Everyone is working as a team to make sure that those who will get sick will get better. It's amazing what teamwork can do. The doctors say that if we all help be patient and remain calm, things will go back to normal. During this time, it's important we will help. Things kids can do to make a difference, and then I list it. And then parents, if you are feeling stressed out, here are some options. And then I listed some of the options. And so we took a very quick approach that one is that not only are we in danger with physical safety, but mental health is also in danger. We just went after the problem very quickly and very united. And that, I think, paid dividends in the long run. Let's talk about these weekly meetings one more time. I want to talk about how you structured them and how you were able to comprehensively outreach to the community so that you could, in fact, take steps to avoid the community effectively collapsing. Basically, we started with just categorizing. So we had workforce, we had rentals, we had tourism, restaurants was the other one. We developed a page ultimate adventure package that we thought would work when we got going again in tourism and see if we could do that. And then we had a wrap up on Fridays. So we would just kind of have an all catch one on that one. So we categorized everybody in there so that we just broke them all down. So that day that they were on, we specifically focused on restaurants tourism stuff, rental business, rental stuff. So we just really tried to get in there so that we would be able to define it and be able to understand what they were going through because we're a very small, we're population. The last census I think was 8250. We're like a small family up here. We Everybody knows everybody, but we just focused on the different industries and whatever their needs were. And that's how we did it. The chamber put out a newsletter every day 
So the day before, the next day Zoom meeting was in there, I would be on social media as much as I could possibly stand for all day long, putting stuff up there for people. And that's how people came in and joined us. The titles of the groups were on Monday, we had Monday Lodging. Tuesday were restaurants who were closed. Wednesdays were for tour operators and also for any personal watercraft rentals. Thursday was a think tank. That was essentially post-COVID-19. And we started thinking post-COVID-19, maybe a week after COVID-19 happened. And then Friday was pretty much a collaboration with all of us talking about the week as a review. We only had two businesses that we are aware of that have shut down because of COVID that we knew of that didn't make it through. One was a restaurant and the other one was a gallery that just shut down at the end of last month. That is the only businesses that we currently know have not reopened. And that's amazing when I look around the town and think that these guys, they've made it through. They might not be all in the best of shape, but they're all here and tourism is back now. So they're making it through it. But I want to mention, Greg, when he did all of this on the sheets and all, and how to stay COVID-free and how to do your business COVID-free, those were amazing. And it actually helped all these business owners decide, how can I, let me pull something up on my website so people would want to come and stay with me. They'd want to come to my restaurant, those kinds of things. And then the, the chamber posted a dining guide, all the restaurants, takeout, if they were open for takeout, hours. We had that up and posted it up every day on the chamber website and people would call us. I'd post it up on the Facebook media stuff. So everybody knew when they came here, where can I go eat? Because that was a big issue. One word that hasn't come up in this conversation at all that comes up in just about every other municipality and every other sector, politicization, politics. So many people blame the way the United States has progressed through this pandemic and the way we have not necessarily done as well as we could have on politics. Why have we not talked about politics and page yet? It doesn't apply to us. Like politics aren't going to fix our restaurant. Politics aren't going to fix the tour operator that isn't surviving. Politics isn't going to help the hotel owner or the manufacturer or the tourist looking to visit. We didn't have time for it. We were too busy trying to solve a worldwide issue for our very uh, microchasm of a society, which is in Page, Arizona. And so we were just so solution-based and so solution-focused that I could care less that was coming out of the news. It didn't apply to me. That was just noise in the background for me. And what I was focused on was, how can I keep your family safe? How can I keep your business open? And how can I get guests back inside shopping in your business? Those three took all of my effort. Judy, is it possible that the people who weren't on your call were talking about politics? Or is it really true that in page, there's just no time for that. The thing with the Facebook page that I did, I will tell you right up front, John, I made that a page. It was going to be a positive page. Trust me, I had the negative naysayers on there. A lot of blame going around. And I had my guidelines, no politics, no bashing, no, none of that, no bullying. I thought there's enough of that in this country right now. We all feel it. We all see it. So I said, we're going to stay positive. And that's what Greg and I did is we just stay positive. Of course, we've got the politics in our town. But the thing is, is if you get consumed by it, what does it really do? It does absolutely nothing to solve the problem, brings you down. To me, you're back into to the COVID-19 virus. We got to step out of it. We got to get above it. And we got to go beyond it and be able to, to stay away from it. And there's enough Facebook pages here locally that focused on that. I mean, they had the numbers out every day, the negative, the negative, the negative. It solved absolutely nothing to know we had how many more thousands of cases coming in that were hitting the state. Was it scary for us, Greg and I? Absolutely. 
He's got children, young children. I have grandchildren and kids and family that is elderly. So yeah, it was fearful for us, but it was like, it's kind of like you go to war. You got to put on your game face. You're there to fight. You got to do the best job that you can do. And that's all I knew how to do. I'm very pro small business. I, my husband and I, we own a small business, a guy service. So I understand. And I also know a lot of the people in this town and a lot of them are like family. So that was my direction. So politics really played no part in anything we did. Okay, reflect back. Think about the entire, what has it been? 14, 16 months? Who knows? It seems like it's been five years. <laughs> but reflect back on this time. And if you had to pick three keys to why Paige had the success that it did in keeping the community together and keeping it as vibrant as it possibly could be given the circumstances, what would those three keys be? City partnership was one. City and the chamber, we collaborated together, myself and Greg. That was a great partnership. I would say the second is you have to put your ego aside. You can't take things personally when people are upset and they're high in anxiety. You can't look at yourself as the answer to everyone's problems. You have to understand that people are going to have different opinions than you and that's okay. And you encourage that. So another one was just thinking like, I am not an expert at any of this. Let's learn together. And that kind of approach, I believe it sparks something inside of someone, you know, we're so used to having an expert tell us something that when I'm sitting in my chair acting as the expert saying, let's figure this out together. I have about as many answers as you do. I think that caught them off guard a little bit. And they're like, okay, let's be genuine and honest. Judy, you want to take the third one? Teamwork was really such a key component of it. And I just think the genuine feeling that Greg and I both had for our town this was our town and we knew nobody was going to rescue us. So we thought we got to do something. We can't just sit here. So that was it. It was just the mindset of we've got to do whatever we can do to try to bring to the table what's going to help these people, what's going to help our town. And I think personally, I think we successfully did that. We're turning the corner now. Are, is everything behind us? No. But I think we learned a lot about facing adversity at its most highest peak in my lifetime that I've ever seen. So I am, I'm proud of what we did. I really am. I'm really proud of Greg. I'm proud of the partnership that we had together. And I'm proud of what Paige has done because I think we became almost kind of like the beacon of light here way up in the Northern part of the state that nobody thought, how are you guys going to make it? Well, we did, we made it. And we also helped other communities as well. We, we, we looked at every rural community in Arizona as a cousin community to us because they were suffering from a lot of the same problems that we were suffering from. And while we have a lot of respect for big metropolitans like Tucson and Phoenix and Flagstaff, there are a lot more places like Page than there are Phoenix, Tucson and Flagstaff. Sometimes the little guy has to step up so that they can assist the big guy. And that's what we did over and over and over. And we dreamt about it. I, I went to bed thinking about it. I woke up hungry for it. There was no crisis that was going to be too big for us in this situation. And we responded as such. And I used to start or end each Zoom meeting with a quote, and it was the same quote every single time. The American dream is not a birthright, but rather a pledge that needs to be renewed by each generation as it responds to the own problem of its times. And that's what we embodied. Like, just because America's great doesn't mean that my generation is going to make it great. I've got to step up and respond. And we did. Politico set out this like amazing page spread that was back in, I want to say, very beginning of April. 
They broke how COVID was going to impact all of these different sectors from the community at large, health and science, government. And one of the quotes was that I kept reading over and over and over is, in a crisis, rules don't apply. And so when I thought about that, I was like, man, you know, what's going to stop someone from breaking into Walmart and taking what they need? Or what's going to stop somebody from accosting somebody else because they're so anxious and, and they're out of sorts? And so we just, we looked at the problem holistically, which 15 years ago, that was such a hot pop word, right? Like you couldn't get away from that word holistic, but it makes total sense now in 2020, 2021, that in order to save the community, you have to look at every single branch of the community from small business to local government, to volunteer force, to recreational opportunities, to the school district, all the way around. And we made sure we were in front of them hearing what they had to say every day, and it still continues today. And we're still doing our calls. We have a call every Monday now still, which is our Business Monday. And then we took our tourism call now down to once a month, and we're doing it actually in person and virtually. We just started that in April. And because tourism is back, and this town is booming with people, I can tell you. And so both of us are extremely busy, but and, and the businesses are busy. So that it's, to try to get them to come to meetings, it's tough for them because a lot of these people too, you don't realize the workforce has been really damaged by all of this. And there's a lot of people who are not back to work. A lot of our business owners that are on and they're struggling because they're carrying two and three jobs themselves, having to cover it because there's nobody there. So they're not all back to work yet. And so it, but it's gonna be interesting to see how we, at the end of the season, how we all came out of this. During the pandemic, we had a large displaced population issue that coupled with substance abuse. So that what that looks like are we had homeless individuals who were intoxicated and sleep all over our park in our downtown. So we reached out to Catholic Charities, actually teamed up with us, brought two advocates up to assist with displaced population. We've turned in a community development building grant for a new homelessness shelter that we want to build so that we can take care of the most vulnerable population. During a time of crisis and recession, the inequality gap widens. It doesn't shrink. And so I can't really control anything, but at least I'm in a community that's small enough where one person can make a difference. In our case, it was Judy and I, so two people made a difference. And I refused to allow that inequality gap to widen. Refused. Absolutely. If you're having a problem, and you need money, let us find you money. Do not suffer in silence. Let's get rid of any of the shame that is associated with feeling bad about life not working out with you. In this game we're playing, it's everybody wins. If you call me and you say you need help, I will work until I find you that help. Judy did the exact same thing. And what that did was it built trust inside of people. Because a lot of people, they'll give you lip service. You talked about politics. That's the ultimate version of lip service. Yeah, yeah. And so we just made sure that follow through was the key to the game. If I said or Judy said we were going to do something, we dog darn done it. We did it. We definitely did it. Not only did we do it, we did it better than they expected. And it just spread. All of a sudden it was like, who helped you? How did they help you? I need to call him or her. And then we were just busy with phone calls. And then we got cranky. We got very cranky. We got on Cinema's phone calls. We got on McSally's phone calls. We got on Ducey's phone calls. 
And they always ask, is there anyone that has a question? Well, we spoke up always. I know that you have this quasi-celebrity status because you're a senator or a congressman or, or a president of something. That doesn't matter to me. Check your ego at the door. What matters to me is that we are going to solve solutions for our community. And this is the problem that we're having right now. And this is what I need you to focus on. And most of the time they came through. I'm going to ask you to give two pieces of advice. One, what's your one advisement to your cousins in towns and cities of your size? And two, what is your counsel to the big cities? Well, I'd say number one is big cities face a different problem than us right off the bat. It's hard not to get political when there's millions of people living underneath a similar zip code. But what I would say to you know my brothers and sisters of rural Arizona is that don't shy away from hard work. Become a champion of the cause. I was an economic developer, but I also volunteered for my nonprofit during this time. I became an associate professor at the community college because it was needed. I started writing articles for the newspaper because it was needed. I started a baseball program so kids could be safe outside and play with each other. Don't feel like you're just one person. In rural Arizona, one person can make all the world of the difference. And I feel like we're a walking testimony of that. Judy? I agree with him 100% on the rural, on the bigger cities. I'll go back to, I really think that people need to start when they're in positions of power, listening to your people. What is it that they need? What is it that's out there that's needed? And actually go start doing it instead of waiting for someone to say, you now have the permission to go do it. The one person that starts it, it's going to be a snowball event if they can do that. And remember, in a crisis, rules don't apply. Thank you, Greg, and thank you, Judy. Paige's story is a great one of rising above confusion and conflict in order to focus on community vibrancy. It comes down to this. Without a way to make a living, it is significantly more challenging to make a healthy community. And your tireless efforts to help businesses respond, adapt, survive, and now begin to thrive again mean that Paige residents can be healthy and well. That list of guideposts we mentioned, you know, vulnerability, compassion, listening, sharing, communicating, supporting each other, and taking the right next actions, they all sound so obvious and easy, right? That's the sneaky thing about elemental and effective ideas. Because they're obvious, they don't often get their due. In fact, many other parts of our state got caught up in confusion, conflict, politics, and the pure difficulty of quote-unquote turning the battleship. Without question, Page had the advantage of being a more nimble city, but we need to be honest that Paige also had other looming disadvantages too. Paige found its way. As we emerge from one of the longest years and some of COVID's darkest days, may we all heed the lessons shared in this episode and use them to find our better way forward too. The Vitalist Spark will be back again next week. In the meantime, our back catalog of episodes awaits your ears. There's a lot to listen to, including guests from across the state and national experts too. Visit us on the web at vitalisthealth.org slash podcast. Check out all of our current and past episodes on Spotify or simply reach into that podcast app you're using right now and select another show to find out what's going on related to health and well-being in Arizona. That's it for now. The insights, reflections, and takeaways from this dialogue belong at the family dinner table as much as they do in business settings, in city and town halls, and in the domains of healthcare and public health. So please share this independent episode far and wide. Subscribe to the Vitalist Spark podcast to get notified as soon as new episodes are released. Or listen to the Vitalist Spark just like you listen to your favorite music on Spotify. Give us your feedback wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can also give us your input the old-fashioned way. 
Your corrections, complaints, and compliments, they are all welcomed by emailing us at feedback at vitalisthealth.org. Finally, remember this. With great responsibility comes great power. We'll see you back on the road to well-being soon.